Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, your source for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. I am sitting here in the beautiful environment of Cool Beans in College Hill in Rock Island, and I am talking to mayoral candidate Andy Rowe. Now, Andy is one of the four mayoral candidates I'm going to be speaking with for this podcast, and as always, the rules are the same. 40 minutes max conversation with each of them. All of them get the same questions. If I do ask a question that I did not ask the other candidates, I always make sure to mention that this is a question that is distinct to this candidate, and it's usually related to something that they've mentioned that I want to do a follow-up on. Um, A lot of the questions have been submitted by readers and voters in Rock Island, um, people on my social media, on quadcities.com social media, and I've tried to take the questions that seem to be of the utmost importance to people, as well as adding um, subjects that I feel are pertinent to the election and to Rock Island in the years to come. So, with no further ado, I would like to say welcome to Andy Rowe. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And let's start off with a basic question that um, everyone gets is, once again, what are your qualifications and why are you running for mayor? Well, Sean, uh, qualification-wise, you know, I've got a bachelor's degree in political science. I've got an MBA from the University of Iowa. Uh, I've worked in business development and business growth on the healthcare side and the technology side. I've also worked on the government side as economic development director for Congressman Phil Hare. So I've worked on funding for projects including I-74 Bridge, Amtrak Service, uh, Metrolink Maintenance Facility, um, some of the stormwater uh, work that's been done in Rock Island. We funded you know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, so worked on a lot of public projects as well. So I kind of know both sides of the public and private piece. You know, and I really ran for mayor because I, I felt like Rock Island needed to kind of get back uh, some direction. I feel like we've kind of lost focus. And I really think we've lost trust with people in terms of uh, transparency and accountability and people feeling connected to the government. I think if you know, the government is the people. It's not; they're not distinct items. So, um, I really wanted to pull those two things back together. Awesome. Um, as I mentioned, I spoke with all four of the candidates uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, and I wanted to do follow-up conversations with all of you because it's it's different before the campaigning season and as you're coming into the final stretch here uh the election of course is on april 4th you guys have had three forums up to this point you've obviously had the chance to kind of debate and discuss with each other you've got the chance to go out and talk to a lot of voters um what have you learned as a candidate from talking to people and how has that changed or reinforced your thinking sure i mean in a lot of ways i think it's been affirming I, I do think people feel disconnected from the government, and I th- from particularly city government, and I think they feel disconnected from the decision-making process. Um, so that's been really affirming because that was one of the main things that I, main reasons that I ran. Um, I also feel, uh, you know, I had talked about one in our previous conversation about really wanting to build up neighborhoods and how important those are. And, and I think that's been affirmed even more strongly. And through some of the conversations I've had with folks on around the uh, Strong Cities concept and walkability and some of those things, um, it's really just strengthened my belief that we build around neighborhoods. But it has changed a little bit. You know, before I was kind of thinking of neighborhoods more geographically. And now I think we need to think of neighborhoods in more of a functional manner. You know, so not only housing and where you live, but... Uh, 
can you do kind of your basic activities of life? You know, is there a grocery store? Is there a bank? Is there a place to go eat? You know, a coffee shop like we're sitting in today. Um, you know, a variety of things to do. Thank you. Thank you. A variety of things that we can do um, that help kind of reinforce, you know, what you do every day. So those things have been really affirming. Um, how and where we do those, I've learned a lot from too, you know. Um, spent some time, you know, just door knocking down along the 11th Street corridor in the west end of Rock Island. Um, I had some time to meet with uh, Reverend Dwight Ford and go to some of his things, you know, talk to some of the community leaders in different parts of the city. And actually where we're sitting, College Hill, I think is a nice model for kind of beginning for how we can uh, build and grow neighborhoods in other areas. But I think, we, you know, it also highlights to me how far behind we are on the west end of Rock Island and downtown. Um, what at this point would be your top five priorities in office? And specifically, what would you look to accomplish in your first year? <clears throat> um, top five priorities, I think one is you got to rebuild trust and uh transparency in, in government and I think you do that by just meeting with every single person group you know that you can meet with you know literally if it comes down to just knocking doors and talking to people we got to do that because I don't think any of the rest of it really happens very well if you don't have buy-in from people um, the second thing I would do is you know I really talked about focusing on four areas one is financial strength uh, quality of life infrastructure development economic development I think we need to find you know, three to five, and I use community input, professional staff to do this. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry. I would do um, in each of. Okay. Yeah, in each of those areas, I would do. Um, you know, we need to find three to five metrics or goals that we're going to really focus on and measure, and then I publish those on the website in a dashboard format so that we can show real progress on how we're doing in each of those areas. And, you know, so I mean that kind of counts as a couple things, I guess. But you know, that's kind of the second thing. You know, and then the third thing is you know really refocus our efforts top to bottom on economic development around this kind of functional neighborhood concept. Um, so really look at not just our economic development, look at our zoning, make sure we have zoning in place, that we're planning our infrastructure in such a way that it's going to support that. Do we have you know, wider sidewalks and maybe narrower streets or you know, some additional things like that? Um, I think you look at everything. You know, third thing, and you know, I think you've got to figure out a way to grow retail sales tax. I mean, that is the number one thing that we have staring us down from a, uh, we've got a debt standpoint from the bonding. We've got to find a way to pay that debt down. So retail sales tax growth is the way to do that. I don't think national retail is the way to go. Um, I think we talked briefly last time about you know, Rock Island never looks very good on national site selectors. You know, they look at rooftop counts, average household income, traffic patterns, all those things. Rock Island looks terrible for those. You know, if they're looking at the Quad Cities, you know, from a thousand miles away, they're going to point at a map and go to Bettendorf or Davenport every time, or even Moline, but they're not going to come to Rock Island. So we need to organically grow, kind of adopt the economic gardening concept of growing our own businesses in town, you know, where maybe we're adding, you know, one or two jobs at 20 different businesses and trying to bring, instead of trying to throw a bunch of tax incentives at somebody to bring in, you know, 40 jobs, you know. 
You know, and then uh, I would say the fourth thing we need to look at is, um, you know, really how we're, is, is just executing. You know, we've got plans. Everybody's got plans. I've sat at these forums and everybody's like, well, I plan to do this and I plan to do that and I plan to do this. And, and I, I think we really got to execute. And then the fifth thing I think we need to do is it doesn't necessarily add sales tax, but it adds jobs to the city and we need them. Um, how do we leverage some of the regional uh, economic initiatives that are going on like Chamber of Commerce's Q2030 plan really focuses on transportation and logistics, defense, um, advanced manufacturing. You know, Rock Island looks great for those. Our land's inexpensive. We've got a trained workforce. You know, you know there's a lot. We're very close to transportation options. We're just at the foot of the arsenal. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there that... Um, uh, I don't think we're taking advantage of. So those, those would be the five things. Cool. Um, how do we make, or how would you as mayor, make Rock Island greener and more cost efficient? And obviously one of the things that, um, when I was looking at running for mayor, one of the things that I was going to look into, and I know one of the other candidates has mentioned this, was solar energy and how um, you know green roof spaces and things of that nature can be utilized not just aesthetically, but also financially to uh, ease the burden of energy costs upon the city. Um, given the fact that, I mean, we see this, the move more towards solar and wind uh, worldwide, uh, nationwide, in regard to, you know, climate concerns, uh, we're seeing more and more of this. How do you as mayor uh, take advantage of that, implement that within the city? Well, I think there's a couple ways you do it. I think there's a real dollars and cents uh, case to be made for doing that. Uh, I think you need to look at some of the older buildings and find out is the cost to do that. Are you going to get your payback out of it? But certainly every new construction, and I think you evaluate every building you have now. I know Terry's been a real leader in that in that idea, and he's really jumped in with that. Um, I give him credit for that. But I think there's some other opportunities too. I mean, I think when you talk about advanced manufacturing as part of a regional initiative, you know, I think you integrate the city with that as much as possible. You know, and the other thing is the city already has a hydropower facility that's running at less than maximum capacity. And I think you start to look at what's, what's the cost-benefit trade-off between bringing more of that online and do you, do you get your money back on that. Um, you know, it's not all just money, but, you know, because there's environmental concerns and, you know, kind of thought leadership type of things that matter. But, um, yeah, I think you have to explore all of that. Now, from one green to another, um, this week once again, and this is something that we touched upon in conversations with the candidates last time, but it continues to be uh, something that people are concerned about, interested in, and um, there was a big story on it this week in regard to marijuana legalization in Illinois. Now, as you know, uh, the number of states has increased um, in regard to legalization. And as the number of states increases, we see distinct trends in regard to it being beneficial for economic growth, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of downside to it, or if there are, they're certainly overshadowed by the economic uh, upside. Um, Given Illinois' financial situation, I would venture to say that within five years, we're going to see legalization in Illinois. Now, how is that going to impact Rock Island? And given the fact that if you are a mayor or whoever is mayor, they're probably going to see this happen in their time, 
what are your feelings in regard to it, and how do you think the city can best take advantage of this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we have to embrace, right? I mean, it, when you look at the results that have happened in Colorado and all these other places, I mean, it's remarkable the tax receipts that they have coming in. Um, from Rock Island standpoint, yeah, we need the, we need the money, <laughs> you know, and if we could use the money for growth. Now, Rock Island are. You know, there's some advantage to to Rock Island having that is there's already a grow facility in operation in Rock right. Island. You know, so, you know it's on the southwest. It's actually in southwest Rock Island, but you know, so it's within the city limits, and I think that's a good thing for us. You know, and I think there's a any chance we have to get into some alternative uh, markets, add jobs, add taxes, add people coming to Rock Island to work, and hopefully deciding to stay and live here because we've made it a very livable place. Um, that's a good thing for us. Once again, looking towards the future here, um, Betsy DeVos, very controversial um, nominee for uh, you know the position of um, heading up uh, education, and um, one of the things that she talks about is vouchers, the voucher system, which would have a profound impact upon the public school system. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if this voucher system is going to be implemented, but if it is implemented, it's going to allow people to um, move their children using tax vouchers to uh, more private schools, more charter schools. Now, obviously, um, this will have an impact on the public school system, but it'll also have an impact on the privatization of schools and potentially open the door to a number of potential char- charter schools being founded in the area because it would be more financially advantageous for them to do so. Um, what do you think? What would you say if you were a Rock Island mayor? Your position would be in regard to this, and how again can Rock Island position themselves to take advantage of any you know opportunities that it might create, but also to ameliorate any potential problems that it may create within the public school system? Yeah, I mean, I think. It's a really challenging subject because I'm really opposed to anything that weakens our public school system. I'm a product of public schools from grade school to kindergarten, you know, through high school and even public colleges. My sister's a teacher in Rock Island. Um, my dad's actually running for the school board in Rock Island. So, I mean, it's something that's really important to our family. And I think even though the city doesn't necessarily have direct control over schools, you know, we're a hand, in, you know, we're attached at the hip in terms sure. of our fates right because um if the city succeeds and the schools don't you're still going to have a hard time growing your city but if both or vice versa but if you grow them together i think you've got um a better chance to do that now if that passes um well and i ask this in part because the city may not have as much control over the school but if charter schools come in they are private businesses and therefore the city would have somewhat of a greater impact in regard to a private business as opposed to something that is more you know impacted by the state yeah and um you know, to bring in a private business, you know, it, there's an idea that any private business is good. I don't think that's a long-term good for us as a city. But again, you know, it's a free country, and if somebody wants to bring in and build a business, you know, I don't, I don't think you can uh, 
you know stop them from doing that but I you know I'd be really opposed to that just because I think it leaves too many people behind when you look at the experience of Michigan where Betsy DeVos is from it is the wild west out there you know there's really not any state regulation of how these schools are run and I think on the city side I would have some concerns about that you know um, when they're open how they're educating kids you know certain the state is probably going to be the one setting standards right but I think uh, you know from a city standpoint it's safety are they on the up and up are they uh, not defrauding parents you know giving kids substandard educations or you know any of that sort of thing so I you know from that extent I think it's a challenge you know my personal feelings are that I'm really concerned about it but I think from a city standpoint um, as important as schools are I think it's hard to have a lot of impact on whether charter schools pass and how that's implemented and all that sort of thing. Sure. Um, again, want to ask all the candidates this question because it is something that's going to impact you in the next, you know, whoever's mayor, it's going to impact you if the DeVos plan is implemented. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, this also, this is a question that a lot of people asked me on social media. Um, the next two questions actually are, are directly from social media. A number of people ask me this, and these are things that have been discussed quite a bit on social media. The first of which is, um, what is your position on Brandt Construction being sued for $233,000 over work on the 6th Avenue sewer project? And what do you feel this means to voters and to the city going forward? I think it's real simple. Branton didn't leave, live up to their end of their contracted obligations, and they need to pay what the contract says they're going to pay. You know, this isn't a, a, a suit over perceived losses. That They didn't meet the obligations that were in the contract. The contract specified how damages were to be paid. I think Branton needs to pay those damages. I mean, it's just how it is, you know. More to say about that. I mean, it's pretty black and white to me, yeah. you know. Right. Again, these are questions that I got by multiple people on social media, so I, they want to know what each mayoral candidate feels about it. Same with the next one. Um, and again, this is something that I understand the city lim- may have limited uh, participation or impact upon, but nevertheless, it's a question people want answered. And so here's the question. Um, what can the city do, if anything, to help combat the proliferation of predatory loan lenders and payday loan places, which are impacting people in a negative way, particularly those who are already of lower income? Yeah, I mean, I think payday loan places are borderline criminal. I mean, they operate within the law, obviously, but I think the rates that they're able to charge are just unbelievably egregious. You know, when I talked earlier about functional communities, one of those things is having a place to bank. And if you drive down 11th Street, you can get a payday loan at either four or five places, but you can't deposit your paycheck anywhere. There's not a single bank on 11th Street. So, I mean, I think you develop neighborhoods so that people can have access to banking services without that. Um, You know, I I understand the argument that people make that that's the only access sometimes people have to capital. But I think it, I think it's so usurious that that it's just, you know, it's just not, it's not reasonable. I think you got to think of some other options. And the city already has some programs to help with, you know, if your furnace goes out, you know, some uh, lower no interest loans for things like that. And I think, you know, maybe you expand to some some programs in that way that it's kind of a revolving loan sort of thing. for specific items, you know, car breaks down and you can't get to work without it. You know, how, how do you 
how do you fix that? Well, right, exactly, and that's uh, and that's what you know. One of the debates there are you know some people who would say, well, these people are being irresponsible. They go into it, they know full well what the choice is, and um, of course, everybody goes into it knowing they sign their name, knowing what the what the options are for the most part. I think some people are you know they're not fully aware of what it means, but then yes, there are some people that use this irresponsibly, and there are people that obviously use it for frivolous means and reasons that are ridiculous. But I would say that the majority of the people in all likelihood are people who are living right at that borderline then they you know when you're working you know pay, when you're going paycheck to paycheck and you have a medical bill or your car your car breaks down all of a sudden you need 300 bucks because your car breaks down and you need that car to get to work to take your kids to daycare to take your kids to school or whatever what are you going to do and so they, they you know, a lot of times people fall prey to these places i mean i agree with you 100 percent. you know and, and that's when these places are uh, they, they serve a function, but it's really taking advantage of people that have literally no other options. So I think the city needs to be creative about how we look at other options for that. You know, like I said, they have some uh, utility and some other revolving loan programs. You know, can we look to expand that out a little for some of these other things when it comes down to, uh, like you said, somebody being able to get to work, somebody, you know, their car breaks down, their um, furnace breaks, you know, breaks down. They don't necessarily need to replace, but they need to get it repaired. Or their kid, you know, breaks their arm and all of a sudden they had to pay a $500 deductible on on their insurance. And what do you do? Not take your kid to the hospital, you know, and then then it comes down to, well, then I can't pay my heat and I can't do these things. So, no, I think... uh, I think we got to be creative on having alternative solutions and maybe some community banking options for those kinds of uh, situations. Now, obviously, being out um, on the campaign trail, you guys have done three forums now up to this point. You've had the chance to, if you hadn't had the chance to do so before, familiarize yourself more with your competitors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having talked with all of you, and I've said this to people. I said I think the city is going to be in good hands. I think you're all good candidates. I think you're all good men. I think you all have an honorable vision, and you know your heart's in the right place in regard to everything. I agree with you on some points. I disagree with you on other points. But that's the way it is. Nobody's right 100 percent of the time. Um, not even me, Andy. Uh, and so, um, and I think that that's that's something people really need to look at. And this because oftentimes in politics it becomes too divided along party lines of well, everything this party does is right and everything this party does is wrong. And then people don't feel that way in reality. We're we're all kind of a mix of conservative and liberal opinions and, and moderate opinions in the middle. And so, I ask this of all the candidates: um, having listened to your fellow candidates, having been in forums with them, having debated them, discussed issues with them, and things of that nature what ideas have you heard from your fellow candidates that you've agreed with or disagreed with and why yeah i mean i'll kind of run through them one at a time i guess um i think terry brings a perspective just being an african-american that the other three of us don't to the race and i think his um jumping in there on alternative energy is a good direction for the city to go. I think it's one of many places we need to go, but uh, you know, good for him for jumping in there. Um, I think Mike's focus on going out and talking to business is admirable, and I think it's something that we need to do. Um, you know, so I mean, I think that's a good thing. Um, 
I have some concerns about his ideas of some of the cost-sharing ideas that he's talked about just because uh, in my experience when I've seen that happen, um, you run into problems about who owns what. And I just think you got to be really cautious about it. It's something that always sounds good in the abstract, but when it really gets down to it, you know, um, you need to make sure that you're still accountable to your citizens and to your departments and getting delivering good service and uh, so I think you got to be cautious with that. Um, no, I just want to interject here for a second and this is a question I'm asking you. I have not asked Terry, the other candidate who I've talked to up to this point, but you brought it up. You mentioned something in regard to what Mike said about, you know, businesses and sharing and things of that nature. Now, given Mike has a business background, do you think that he would be in a unique position to make sure that that would be an equitable balance or something that would be advantageous to the city? Um, I don't think Mike uniquely has that. Okay. You know, I mean, I work in business. Sure. I, I run a large general manager for a large internet service provider. You know, we've got thousands of customers. I have a Matt, MBA, yeah. I mean, yeah. Perhaps uniquely isn't the right wasn't the right word I used, but do you think that he would, given his given his background, do you think that you know that's something that um, you know he could make it work um, if it if it was something that he if he was elected and he you know became mayor is that it's something that he pursued? Do you think that it would be workable? I think it's workable. I don't know that he could make it work any better necessarily than anyone else. I mean, I I think any of the four of us could make sure. that work. Right. So I don't think there's anything that he brings to the table. I mean. To be honest, I mean, Mike's Mike's a good guy. Right. You know, he did work in business. But he sold his company, you know, 12, 14 years ago. You know, he hasn't worked. His business has been more in the abstract than in the practical day-to-day here in the last several years. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I think that's that's something that we, we could look at. But, I, again, I think you got to be cautious about how you jump into that. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, with Steve, I haven't heard a lot of positive ideas in terms of other than just kind of keep doing what we're doing. And I think what we're doing has gotten us not where we want to go, you know, so I think we need to do differently. You know, and I think Steve's been, um, you know, really unapologetic about what's happened with, with the Walmart development, you know, and almost defensive to, a, to an extent, you know. Um, you know, and when I talk to people... You know, you can sell sell and spin it all the way you want, but reality is we spent the money and we don't have the tax receipts coming back to pay for it. There are some good things that happened out of it, but they're more kind of silver linings than they are, you know, intended outcomes. And I think, uh, you know, if you just said, yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody can look at that and be like, yeah, this is the outcome we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Now, you mentioned, now again, we go back, this is a question I'm asking you because you brought it up. Um, you mentioned that a lot of, you know, what you've heard from Steve is going in a lot of the, the same direction. What do you agree with in regard to going in the same direction? What do you disagree with going in the same direction? And again, as I mentioned, I, I won't use the word uniquely, but given the fact that Steve, Steve is an alderman and he is a current alderman, um, he is once again in a position where he has, um, I don't know whether I would say greater, but he certainly has an, an understanding, yes, institutional knowledge and an understanding of where things are going. Um, do you think that that's an advantage or disadvantage? And again, what are the things that you would that you would agree with in regard to the direction we're going and the things that you would disagree with? I think our financial management has been really strong and I think the council and the department heads, you know, our finance director and the city manager both 
should get some kudos for that. I think they've worked really hard to make sure that our revenues line up with our expenses as closely as possible and have provided a real plan for how we do that going forward. So, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I think some of the planning that's been done around parks has been great. You know, there was some talk, you know, there was a lot of talk about this time last year of, you know, we have too many parks. You know, we have too much, you know, we've got more square acre of park per resident than any other city in Illinois. You know, so the idea, you know, that was starting to percolate then was, do we get rid of some of our parks, sell them off, develop them, etc. You know, and I think uh, John Grip, who's the parks director, has done some really creative things on <clears throat> engaging community groups and uh, public-private partnerships and, <clears throat> you know, different ways of uh, maintaining the parks that is really going to end up being a net positive because uh-huh. I think this idea that you have too many parks is crazy. You know, it's kind of, yeah, no, it's just crazy. But So, I mean, those things are good, and I think Steve should get some kudos for participating in those things. So, you know, I mean, those are good things. And what ways in which... What ways would you take things in a different direction? Because, again, I'm asking you this question because you brought it up and you mentioned, I think we should go in a different direction. In what ways do you think we should? Well, I think we need to rethink our economic development strategy. We've really spent a lot of time thinking about how we bring national retail in. And um, I think that's just not the way for Rock Island to grow. We've got to grow organically. Um, The example I use often is, do we throw a bunch of tax incentives to build a Starbucks or do we help? Cool Beans, excuse me, or Theos, you know, maybe expand or uh-huh. open another location or if, the, if that's something we identify we need. Um, I think we need to be a lot more targeted in uh, how we develop. You know, right now it's kind of anything that moves we jump at. Sure. But I think we need to be targeted and aggressive about deciding where, where and how we're going to develop. Um, and then I think we need to take there's not a lot of cohesion between our, say, infrastructure plan, our quality of life plan, and our economic development plan. And those things are hand in glove. They have to be. And if they're not, um, you know, you're not supporting on the infrastructure side where you need to be going on the economic development side. So I think all those things fit together uh, very specifically. Right. And in the interest of disclosure, I will mention that... Um, it is Thursday, March 23rd, as we're having this conversation. I just previously interviewed Terry. I haven't yet to interview Stephen or Mike in regard to this and have follow-up conversations. Um, the reason why I didn't mention Terry is because you didn't say anything that you disagreed with about Terry, and yeah. I'm not going to pursue, like, okay, well, you agree with yeah. him on this, but you did say you disagreed with Mike and Steve yeah. on certain issues. And so when candidates say that, I do want them to elaborate and elucidate sure. no, why fair. that is. Um, just to be fair and just to be clear so that voters yeah. can, can understand that. When I talked to Terry about it, he didn't really have anything negative to say, so I just kind of left it right. alone and didn't and yeah. didn't follow up on it. Um, I don't know what Steve or, or Mike will have right. to say, but right. I'll do right. the same thing if they mention that they have differences. I want, because differences aren't always a bad thing. No, they just clarify. Right. People have differences of opinion. They clarify where the people stand, and I want people to be clear. I want candidates to be clear and I want voters to understand the clarity of those differences so that is why I asked you those questions yeah and I agree I mean if all of us were 
on the, exactly the same on every issue, then you know there's really not a distinction, and you could yeah. close your eyes and pick a candidate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. but, but but there are differences. There are differences in, in approach and um, differences in focus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all want the city to grow. We all want you're, you're gonna hear we all got to gross tax receipts. You're gonna hear a lot of the sure. same things yeah. from us. But there are differences in how how we're gonna get there and how we're gonna approach it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think you'll hear from the other guys. You know. Uh, more, you know, they'll talk about growing our internal businesses, but more about bringing in, you know, outside retail. And, you know, that TIFF train is a downward spiral mm-hmm. that can get you, get you, catch you in a hurry. And, you know, I think we're just not in a position to be able to do that. So, right. so I mean, that's really a, as much of a financial thing as it is a development thing. So. Right. Right. Now, along those same lines, um, on April 4th, one of the four of you will be elected mayor. Uh, three of you will not. Um, that said, that doesn't mean that the three people that weren't elected don't have good ideas, and that doesn't mean that the person that is elected has all the greatest ideas that are out there. Um, you all have, as someone who's talked to you guys at length, um, I'm in a position where I can say, you know, you guys all have good ideas. I think, you know, there are de- ideas, again, that I disagree with on with each of you, but there are also things that I agree with, and I think just generally people would agree with you each of you on the, some of the things that you're that you're putting forward. Um, so the question is, uh, regardless of whether you win or lose, how do you work with your current competitors, with Terry, with Steve, with Mike, um, going forward? If you're mayor, how do you bring them in and perhaps help utilize the ideas that you have in common or that you feel are good ideas that they have that maybe you didn't think of and you're like, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. I think I'm going to do that. Um, And likewise, if you do not win, how do you reach out to and um, help the current mayor? Because, again, all of you want what's best for this city. All of you have a vision to make the city a better place. And I think it would be best, regardless of who wins, it would behoove all of you to have a sit down and get together and talk about ways in which you could help one another make that happen. How do you do that, Andy? <laughs> Win or lose. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, you know, I think invariably whoever wins or whoever loses, there's going to be some raw feelings immediately sure. after. Uh-huh. I mean, you, we've all worked really hard. You spend a lot of time and money and effort. Now, that being said, you're 100% right. I mean, I've been involved actively involved in Rock Island my whole, you know, I've lived here my whole life and mm-hmm. not, that's not going to change, you know, I'm not going to you know, pull up stakes and you know, say, hell with it I'm going to Bettendorf, you know, I've had it you know, <laughs> you know so that's not going to happen but I think uh, you know, I'm happy to help out with uh, whichever way I can and if I win, you know, I think uh, you know, Steve's still going to be on the council if he doesn't win, you know, so there's a reality there and uh, you know, Terry and Mike both have good ideas and, and uh Terry and I have actually talked, you know, at several of the forums about, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, we're going to work together on some stuff going forward, you know, because we have a lot of areas where we uh, agree and complement each other. You know, and Mike's just, Mike's been a real fixture in the community, and I, I wouldn't expect that to change, and I would hope to engage him and however we're going to. You know, because we got to have all hands on deck here, man. I mean, Rock Island, we're you know we're not in a, we're not in a position to turn away anybody. So, you know, we got to bring everybody to the table and get everybody involved. So, mm-hmm. 
Now you bring up that you've talked to Terry in regard to things, and um, what are some of those things that you guys have talked about? And again, win or lose, whoever is the mayor, um, if you guys are both private citizens or in other capacities, or if one of you is the mayor, what are these things that you've talked about that you have in common that you would like to work on together? Well, just kind of in the abstract, you know, how do we develop business? Um, you know, um, one of the nice things of going through this process is, you know, I was familiar with each of my competitors beforehand, and um, but you get to know them a little better, and, and you know they're good people. Yeah, you know, I mean these are good guys. All of us are. We're not, you know. So, um, but Terry and I just seem to have clicked, especially. So we talk about, you know, how can we do some development things in the West End? What are some places that we can work together? How do we get the city more engaged? Um, really get people to pay attention, you know, and understand how to advocate for their interests, you know. Um, a lot of times people know what they want to have happen, but they don't know how to make it happen, right. you know. So how do we engage people into that process? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say that's, you know, it's been kind of at an abstract high level, but those those are uh, those are things we talk about. So. We've got a couple minutes left, and so you have a couple minutes to make one last plea to voters. What do you want to say to voters? Um, <clears throat> what do you want to present to them about yourself? Why should they vote for Andy Rowe on April 4th? Sure. Um, I said this at one of the forums, and, and and I really, you know, believe it. I think if you're if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you've always got. It's kind of a trite saying, but at the same time, each of the other candidates has had their swing at the plate here at the city. You know, Steve's been on the council. Terry was on the council. Mike's been in charge of Renaissance Rock Island, very active, you know, in some of the uh, philanthropic things in the community. But we're still not where we want to be, you know. I, I don't think we've got enough focus in some of the other ones, and I want to bring focus to our development and really grow. You know, the strong cities concept that I think is really going to be great for Rock Island because we are 95% developed is a way for us to uh, not only grow our business but grow residential density. Um, and if you would look at it as an example, think of cities like Portland, Madison, mm-hmm. downtown Minneapolis. Those are places that really have adopted this concept and then uh, really grown and thrived. And I think it's something that could fit for Rock Island. It fits who we are. Um, it gives us a chance to embrace our diversity. So, um, you know, I think it's just something different. And I think we have to look at it that way because we can't just keep going down the same road we've been going down. Gotcha. Andy Rowe, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And good luck on April 4th. Um, Once again, this is QC Uncut, your source for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. Once again, this is a series that I'm doing with all of the Rock Island mayoral candidates. Today, my guest has been Andy Rowe. And I am Sean Leary, your host, as always. Thank you very much for tuning in. We always try to provide as much information as we can, particularly in regard to an election that's this important. We want voters to be educated. We want voters to know as much as they can about each of the candidates so that they can make the decision that is right for them, that they feel echoes their own vision for the future of Rock Island. So thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it, and I hope you have a great day. This is Sean Leary signing off for QC Uncut.